I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Welcome to episode 129 of the Canto Night. Ah, okay, we're going to start that over again. <laughs> Canto Night Dispatch. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 129 of the Canto Dispatch. I'm Emily Lind, and with me, as always, it's my delightful co-host, Brittany Brown. Hi, Brittany. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I thought that we're recording an episode of the Canto Night Dispatch, but it is actually the Canto Bite Dispatch. Yeah, I can't talk. I might leave that in or I might take it out, but I fucked up the introduction. <laughs> uh, something that I've done whatever half of 129 times is. No, we don't mess up that much. I, yeah, I mean, no, we don't. I mean, maybe at most of our content, but generally I can speak. Yeah. I feel like that happened to me earlier today, too, because I was, I was menting, or I meant to ask you about um, a new episode of The Outsider, but I said, like, Parasite or something, and I said it twice. So I think both of us today have, uh, can't think of words. Yeah, which is, which is good on a show when we also have no news to talk about. Let's just have it be not great on every level. Ah, uh, can't wait. It's not it's not gonna be a heavy Star Wars week, guys. Guys, there's not there's not much going on. No. But yeah. Uh well yeah, for the resistance finale, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about other stuff, but otherwise, how, how have you been? How is your week going? Um weeks weeks going going fine i'm glad I'm, I'm going on uh vacation soon i'm gonna hit the disneyland resort for a couple days which i desperately need because i know when i get like i know when i'm done and i need a vacation and i'm done and i need a vacation yeah i'm excited should be fun. I'll be able to ride Riders of the Resistance for the first time and see the updated Star Tours with the Episode 9 content. So that should be fun. What about you? How's your week been? Um, kind of weird. So, last week, after my friend Steve and I saw Doolittle 
we were talking about uh, cats, like we want to do. And he had this idea that was kind of a joke, which is how much would we have to raise to watch cats for 24 hours? And we decided if we raised 15 grand for charity, we'd watch cats for 24 hours. And I told I told Steve if he organized everything, I would participate. And look, we haven't raised fifteen grand, and I don't think we're going to raise fifteen grand unless we um like manage to hit somebody really big, like on Twitter or something. But we thought we were going to raise a couple hundred dollars, and so far we've raised a little over four grand. Uh, this is for Housing Works, which is a nonprofit in New York City that um, works to fight against HIV and homelessness and sort of the, the intersection of those issues. Um, they're really cool in the city here. They also have a, um, a bookshop and a cafe that the profits go to that. And I've seen some live shows there before just a really cool organization and they got behind us on this and then Steve sort of as a joke sent out some like press stuff and the AV club ended up picking it up and from there it got he got a call from housing works being like hey is it all right if we give your contact information to the New York Post so there was an article in the New York Post online about it and then he also got hit up by one of the local TV news affiliates out here, um, Pink News, which is a um, queer news organization based in the UK, picked it up. And, and I don't know, it's very strange. Like NPR mentioned it. Wow. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's silly, but... So far, as of this, we've raised $4,000 for Housing Works, and that's awesome. Um, if you want to help out, I have it pinned on my Twitter, or if you go to GoFundMe.com, you can search, um, well, you can search Housing Works, and it'll come up as one of the options. Are, like, search Make Us Watch Cats. That's, that's what it was titled as. But, yeah. It was strange. It was interesting watching this all unfold because I remember first seeing it like, oh, there's a fundraiser that Emily's starting to watch Cats for 24 hours. I'm in. Like, even before I saw that it was for Housing Works, I was in. I was curious. I'm like, oh, what's this for? You know, what are they, you know, donating for? But that's an awesome organization that you guys are, you know, doing this for. And... It's amazing how many outlets have picked this up because you guys are doing this for a great cause, for two great causes, one for Housing Works and two for watching cats for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, and if if we do get it, we're going to live stream watching cats. Um, Housing Works is going to help us. Like We're going to use one of their spaces so that other people can sort of come in and out. But no, we're, we're, we're pleased with that win so far. If a little taken aback, because none of us expected it to take it off at all. So, and the nice thing is, it's GoFundMe, which means we have it set up where the money just 
it automatically goes to housing works. Like we don't we don't touch anything on the money side. Um, and donations are tax deductible, and it's not like a Kickstarter thing where it's all or nothing. Like whatever money we raise goes to them no matter what. So. Wow. I'd love to watch cats for a couple of hours with you. Maybe not 24 hours, but <laughs> to be one of your like special guests to come in and watch cats like a round or two. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not. I don't think there's any movie that I would want to see for 24 hours. It's a lot. And in some ways, cats is sort of the best for that because it's a movie that's already completely insane and bizarre and just wild so if you're gonna watch a movie for 24 hours it might as well not be a movie that you like because it's gonna get ruined (laughs) it's gonna get ruined oh my god i really hope you guys end up getting um the goal for this because i think I think what you guys are all doing is amazing. And I just, I really want you guys to watch Cats for 24 <laughs> hours. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool if it happens. I mean, I'll regret it if it happens, but I, I won't regret raising 15 grand for Housing Works because that would be amazing. Someone needs to send this to Taylor Swift. I Taylor think- Swift or any of the cast. Yeah. it's The problem is, that because the spin on the story is look at these people wanting to watch this terrible movie it's sort of hard to go up to somebody who was in the movie and be like hey can you can you support this thing that's laughing about how terrible this movie was maybe go to James Corden because he was he was in like a mini controversy recently because um, it was revealed that not all of his carpool karaoke's are actually him driving, and he said like a joke like, "I haven't heard this much controversy since me and cats." Well, it, I mean, first of all, it's fucking ridiculous because of course he's not. That'd be dangerous as shit. They can't do that. That would be totally be distracted driving. Yeah. Hilarious that that was a controversy. Like, it's not something I ever thought about, but as soon as they said that, I'm like, oh, no, of course he's not. Well, yeah, but the other thing is, I mean, it's not like I can just call James Corden up on the phone. Uh, You never know. Like, I don't think I know anybody who knows James Corden. If I do know anybody who knows James Corden, who's listening to this, please contact James Corden and tell him that our... Our watching of and making fun of cats is very good natured. He believes it. He'd probably support it. I mean, he probably knows what he was walking into. Yeah, I don't even think he went to the premiere. I think he's like made comments about it before about how terrible it is. But again, if anybody knows how to get in contact with James Gordon, let me know. I mean, or Taylor Swift, too. I mean, just for Britney purposes. But, you know, yeah, contact Taylor Swift. You know, she might be for it. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, again, I don't know anybody who knows Taylor Swift. I mean, Eric Struthers is getting pretty close to knowing Taylor Swift. So That's true. Eric Struthers, once you become 
besties with Taylor Swift. Please promote this to her. So become become friends with her in like the next couple of weeks. That would really help me out. Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah, her document documentary just came out on Netflix, and it was pretty good. Yeah, I kind of want to watch it. You really should. It's it's really interesting. Uh, she talks about um, her not her introduction to politics, but her introduction into finally talking about politics and wanting to talk about it and wanting to make a change. And it's really interesting hearing that from her because I've been a fan of her since I was 12 or 13. And I feel like I've kind of like grown up with her. Like, I feel like, you know, I never used to talk about, you know, this stuff at all. And finally, like I'm becoming more confident in talking about this and sharing my beliefs and everything. So it's really interesting, you know, seeing someone that kind of has those like same problems with going forward and being like, this is what I believe. And so what? So it's really cool. Yeah, I, I sort of, I mean, I, I I don't like sit down and listen to it. I've listened to some of her stuff. I, I enjoy it fine. It's not really my style. But maybe partially because of how much unreasonable hatred she gets, I find myself kind of liking her. Yeah. It's it's interesting. And she's always going to be that person that I love. Like She's going to be that person when I'm like, 40 and Taylor Swift's in town like I'm gonna do everything to go see her because I don't know like that's that's my artist right there you know everyone has like a favorite artist who it's like they do anything to go see like that's mine hmm. yeah no I might I'll put that on my on my Netflix list and then never actually watch it which is how I use Netflix I don't even really use Netflix much anymore. It's mostly Disney Plus. Oh, I haven't. I've watched like one thing on Disney Plus since The Mandalorian ended. Well, that one movie I've been talking about is finally going to be on Disney Plus soon. And I'm looking up the name of it because I always keep forgetting. And I tagged you in the post. Whatever it is. Somebody failure. Somebody something failure is in the title somewhere. Yes, let me find it. I just liked a bunch of... Timmy Failure, Mistakes Are Made. Okay, there we go. That's a terrible title. But it's so cute. He has a polar imaginary friend that's a polar bear. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. (laughs) I love how obsessed you are with this stupid fucking movie. It's so good. I know it is because I watched a preview of it and it was adorable. And usually I hate these kind of movies, but I was I was invested. I was invested in like the mystery, the polar bear, just everything. Okay. Oh, speaking of mystery, you have to watch speaking it. Speaking of mystery, I I went to a screening of Knives Out this weekend that Ryan Johnson was at, and that was pretty fucking cool. Did you hug him? No, I did not hug him. Oh. He couldn't stick. It was very sad. Like he was only he only was out on stage for like fifteen minutes or something like that because the Writers Guild's awards were last night, so we had to like rush off to those. 
because uh, like literally we were sitting there and then he was five. He was like, yeah, I have to be on the red carpet in Times Square in like 20 minutes. Oh. But it was cool. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, that's why this screen happened at all is because he was out here anyway for the, the awards. But it was fun to see Knives Out in an audience that was all there, like super excited about it. It was it, the it was completely sold out. Really responsive, and then you afterwards he talked about a little bit. He talked about how, um, he wanted to make this movie because when he was a kid, the first sort of like adult themed movies he saw were, you know, Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile and some of those other. Agatha Christie, who done it, and so it's something he's wanted to make for years. And he talked about how he wanted it to be funny, but he didn't, you know, he didn't want it to tip over into satire parody because this is something he really, really likes. Well, good for him. I mean, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about this movie, which I still really need to see. It's very good. I think even if you don't particularly like mysteries i think the rest of the movie is so solid that that'll be fine and the cast is just amazing it's such a good cast that's good and daniel you just gotta watch it just for daniel craig's southern accent i don't think i've ever watched like a movie with daniel craig in it like uh like sitting down watching the whole movie He's very good. I can, and I like him. Like, one of the reasons I love him is how honest he's in about James Bond. Like, he's just said, you know, he's just talking about what a, like, misogynistic asshole James Bond is. That he's not a good or cool guy and you shouldn't want to be like him. Good for him. And he's, he's so ready to be done playing Bond. I mean, I think he was actually ready to be done playing Bond like two movies ago, but I really like him as Bond. Um, I didn't watch the last movie. I need to watch that before the next one comes out because I sort of I'm very casual. I like Bond movies, but I don't like seek them out particularly. Hmm. But no, Daniel Craig is he's just he's really good. And I think because he looks like Daniel Craig, he doesn't get a lot of comedy movies. But he's done a couple, and he's he's very funny. And I think he's at the point now that he can just sort of start doing the shit that he wants to do. Good for him. He can do uh, Doolittle, too. (laughs) Yeah. There we go. That should definitely be his next movie. Yeah. Hey, I have a question but, uh, for you. you oh, okay. okay go ahead. Oh, wait, no. What were you going to say? I was going to move on to the next topic, so ask me, ask me a question. Okay. When you saw A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, what was the last scene you saw? Oh, I don't even remember at this point. Uh, 
because I, I, I finished it. I sat down. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this for Emily. I'm going to watch the entire film. And I really liked it. Yeah, I enjoy I I I absolutely don't remember any of it in terms of the plot. And so I could not tell you the last scene I saw. Damn it. Cuz I was really looking forward to like telling you what happens next, like finishing the story for you so that like you can get closure on Mr. Rogers. The last scene I remember is in the hospital. But I don't remember whether I there was I I don't remember whether that was actually where it ended or not. Remember the dream sequence? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did see the dream sequence. That was weird. That was the only part of the movie where I was like, what is this? That felt like it was from a different movie. Yeah. Like, I didn't necessarily dislike it, but it was like, oh, this is just, this is from a different film. I thought the cast was great. I like the asshole writer and how, you know, talking to Mr. Rogers and finding out that he's actually a great human being and. Matthew Reese is very, very good. He is. He was in The Americans, and he is phenomenal on that show. That show is so strange because it went on for, I think, six seasons, and yet never got the award recognition that it should have. Like, it always seemed to be flying under the radar, and so it's sort of amazing that it got six seasons and they didn't yank it, but... It's it's a crime to me that he never got nominated for anything. Carrie Russell never got nominated for anything. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, Carrie Russell was in that, too. And it's weird because I, I had only heard from it or heard about it because um, I had an old coworker who watched it and was like, you need to watch this show. And I was like, OK, and, and never did. So I'll probably have to pick that up sometime. It's not on Netflix or anything, is it? Um. It's been places before. I believe it was for a while, at least on Amazon Prime. It's it's a show you have to watch. Yeah, like you can't you can't watch it casually. Um, I mean, partially because there'll be whole chunks of it that are in Russian. Oh yeah. Because you're not only, I mean, they always speak English even with each other, but you also have a lot of scenes at the Russian embassy. And those are exclusively in Russian. But oh, it's wow. a really it's a really smart show. It never it never holds your hand. Which can be, it's it's both rewarding and frustrating in that they'll mention something, like they'll mention a name, and you won't know, I won't know whether, oh, is this something they talked about before that I've forgotten about, 
or are they just dropping this dropping us in on this and expecting us to catch up <laughs> but um yeah you also have um like franklin gala is there as their handler and he's amazing and then later margo martindale who's my favorite character actress ever it's so good yeah it's all it's all on um on amazon prime Also, it's super fucking brutal. Ugh. Like, it is... There are some astonishing levels of violence on this show. Yay, violence. But I love it, and the end is perfect, even though the whole entire show, I never knew how I wanted it to end in terms of whether they should get caught or not. But... And it's just, it's beautiful and sad, and I love it. And everyone should watch it. That's always satisfying when a show ends on terms that you're okay with. Yeah, especially, you know, when it's a show that you've been watching for a long time. And isn't, you know, to like a Law and Order episode of the week thing, but a really you know, complicated story where you become really invested in get it and you become really invested <laughs> in the characters. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember the last time I watched like a show where it ended on terms where I'm like, you know what? This is good. I mean, to be honest, I often don't get to the end of shows. You'll like to say goodbye. Well, I don't like to say goodbye, but also, or it's that I've already said goodbye like three seasons before it ends. I mean, you have a good track record. I mean, you're going to say goodbye to Clone Wars. You said goodbye to Resistance. Um, you, I'm trying to think of other shows. I mean, you said, you said goodbye to Americans. You said goodbye to, to Star Wars. Um some hard goodbyes and some yeah i mean i haven't watched any of the last season of the good place even though i really liked it i just i i don't know why i haven't watched any of this season at all um the new episodes of bojack are out and i don't want to watch them because they will make me cry and it is is so stupid that the most emotionally affecting TV on Netflix or any other service is about a talking horse. It makes me angry that that's true. But it's brilliant. But I don't want to watch them. I think there's like four or five episodes that they put out and I don't want to watch them. What is it about? Okay, he is an actor who, <laughs> just got to quote the theme song here, uh, back in the 90s had a major TV show. Like what, something you would have seen on, on TGIF. Like, you know, he's a guy who adopted some kids. And it was a, you know, like wacky family comedy. Mm-hmm. And... Now he is 
like somebody you'd see on those like where are they now embarrassing lists <laughs> and he is an alcoholic and an addict and has pretty severe depression and it's about him like the you know the ups and downs in his career from there on out and he wants to write an autobiography so this woman comes in to sort of write it for him instead because he can't write it himself and his relationship with her and his relationship with his agent slash ex-girlfriend who is a cat named Princess Caroline voiced by Amy Sedaris (laughs) Uh, and there's Mr. Peanut Butter who is a dog who had a show similar to his who's like a more successful version of him voiced by Paul F. Tompkins and the first couple episodes are just like hey look at the funny wacky dog and oh there's this uh, Aaron Paul plays a guy who just lives in his house and then it becomes this real examination of addiction and of depression and dysfunctional family and how you pass on trauma to the people around you and if it's ever possible to move on from your past mistakes all while still being really really funny shit it's so good I really need to watch that then yeah I love it I just I'm very emotionally invested in it and the first half of the season ended in a cliffhanger thing where you know some shit's gonna go really really bad just when he thinks things are finally gonna be okay and I'm, I don't know. It makes me, it makes me anxious. Hmm. Well, I hope you sit down and, you know, close the chapter of the novel. Yeah, I will at some point. I just, I don't quite know when. I think once I watch one episode, then I'll be fine and I'll just watch all of them at once. But it's hard to pull the trigger on it. Yeah. But you watched something this week that you really liked. Yeah. I finally sat down and watched Parasite. And I have to admit, I slept on it. You know, I watched it and I was like, you know, 1917 or whatever that movie is. That's probably going to win Best Feature. Whatever. Slept on it. Because I was just going to tell you this on Sunday. Or today. Which is Sunday. That Oh yeah I watched Parasite. Let's talk about it. But literally I was sitting at work. And I was thinking about it. And I'm like. No. This is a good film. (laughs) It sticks with you. 
it really does just, you know, all the themes, just how everything in the movie is happening and how, you know, it correlates with something that's, you know, going to happen, you know, at the end of the movie or in the middle. It just, it's, it, it, it sticks with you. And there's just, there's so much, you know, like in the beginning when, you know, the, um, the friend of the son brings the rock and they're like, oh, you should have brought us food. And then just the end of the movie when everything happened, I don't want to spoil it for everyone, but I mean, this movie has been out for a while, but just everything about this movie, the creation, just, it sticks with you. It's, it's a brilliantly done movie. I mean, Bong Joon-ho is, an amazing filmmaker but this this movie is really something else and it feels so relevant in the things it has to say about class without ever feeling like it's lecturing you and it's also interesting because it is it's something that is so specific in terms of its its setting and the specific way that that culture and class are in play in Korea, but it's also like incredibly relevant. Like I mean, probably any other country. It's insane, and it's a movie that everyone should really see. And, you know, it's not difficult, the subtitles. Like, I noticed that, like, a couple times I'd, like, zone off or something and I'd be like, oh, my God, like, I need to pay attention to, like, every single little thing that's happening in this movie. Because literally, like, that's what it becomes. It becomes, like, the domino effect. It's like, all right, they're getting the ball rolling with something and then the ball stops. And then, you know, just. And it just, it just, like, partway through the movie, it becomes an entirely different movie. And. It gets intense in ways I was not expecting it to. I I didn't know anything about this movie going in when I first saw it. I'm uh, kind of purposely. I had seen the first trailer, which is very atmospheric and moody, but doesn't really tell you anything that's going on. So I didn't even really know what genre this film was. And then I didn't I, know I, either. Yeah, yeah I. I had it in my head, and maybe it's because of the, some of the music and some of the scenes in the trailer. I thought it was going to turn into a horror movie, and some of the stuff that happens is like there's like some horrific shit, but it's definitely not a horror movie. And yeah, it definitely it was an interesting way to experience it. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't know anything either before going into it. Because I remember I texted you because I was thinking of seeing it last weekend. And I'm like, is it depressing? And you said like kind of or something. And I waited like a day or two. And then finally I sat down. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go see this. It's time. It's, you know, I I always try to see um, the Oscar nominated movies. And I've seen a bunch of them. Like I've seen almost all of them except I, th- I think Ford and Ferrari is nominated. And I don't care for Christian Bale. Um, I don't know what else. Um, that Pope movie, I think, is nominated. Oh, yeah, The Two Popes, which people tell me is good, but I like, could not care less about it. 
Yeah, my parents watched it and they liked it, but they didn't really say anything else after that. But oh my god, like if this this movie has to win a lot, but it's the Oscars, so I I doubt it. Well, I think I mean it's gotta win best foreign. It will, and I I I think it should win best picture, but I don't think it will because it's gonna win best foreign. And that'll be its award. It is frustrating that none of the actors were nominated. Um, and you can see a lot. You can Google, find some pieces written by much smarter and people who are closer to this than me who can talk about the lack of nominations for actors in foreign films and especially Asian actors and sort of how that has come to be. But it's, it's wild to me that, that none of them, there's not even like a supporting nomination for anybody in this cast. Yeah. And like at the SAG awards, they won uh best ensemble. I feel like it's strange that Oscars doesn't have a best ensemble. Oscars doesn't give a shit about anyone. It's true. I mean, I don't they hate. Just, the, yeah, I don't. I don't hate the Oscars in general as much as I hate like the Golden Globes, but I still think they're bad. Well, after the fucking Green Book won last year, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know about this. Like some of them, it's like you know, great. Like oh, Leo finally got the Oscar, or like this or that. But it sucks when it's like you know these movies that. Yeah, well, because the Academy is still almost exclusively old and white and male. Yeah. And that is a big problem. It is. Yeah, I'm I mean the Golden Globes is just something I watch because it's, oh, it's the first award show. I'm interested to see who they're going to win because they have a lot of categories. You know, they have like best like drama. Like they don't, they don't just have like best film period. They have, okay, best drama, best comedy, best this or that. Yeah. The problem is that also leads to them like filling out that best comedy, best musical or comedy with things that are neither musical or comedy. Yeah. Like it is a real stretch sometimes of things that get nominated for best comedy. Yeah, well, God, fucking Rocket Man one. I was surprised that um, what's his face wasn't nominated for an Oscar because I mean he won the Golden Globe for um, for Rocket Man and he wasn't even nominated. I think if Bohemian Rhapsody hadn't come out like before the year before, he would have gotten one for Rocket Man. Ugh, yeah, that's probably right. They were probably like, "Yeah, let's let's not nominate someone again from the biopic or whatever." I don't know. I'm interested to see what other ones they're doing. I know they're doing Elvis. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Do you hear that they're doing a live action Bambi? I mean, it's not live action, but yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's going to be like Lady and the Tramp, which, oh my God, I watched that a couple weeks ago. 
Holy shit, it was so bad. Oh, that's shocking. It was so bad. Isn't I mean, this one like your Timmy Failure one that you were looking forward to? No, I wasn't because I didn't watch it yet because I knew that eh, it's probably not going to be that great. And it really wasn't. And I mean, props to them for taking out the Siamese cat song. But the song that they replaced it with was they shouldn't even put a song like it was so bad. It was just these CGI cats running around being like, we're going to break things. OK, we're going to blame you because we're cats. We're cats. Like, that's basically what it was. <laughs> that sounds like a song from Cats. I, I know I, I felt like I was it was like a spiritual experience because I'm like wow I feel like I'm with Emily right now watching uh James Corden as a cat but no yeah it just oh it just it bothers me seeing like the CGI dogs and then like knowing that one of them was Jennifer Aniston's ex-husband I'm like this is weird this is weird I don't know it just wasn't the best and then like I don't know. And then it was weird in the end because like they give they give Tramp the collar, but like they obviously like you see the name on ladies, but you don't see the name on Tramps. And so the whole time I'm just thinking, what did they name him? What is his name? Like do they are they going to call him Tramp or are they going to call him Scout? Like what the fuck is his name? And they don't answer that. I like that that's what bothers you. That's bothers me so much and then the only thing I liked about it was that was the older dog I think his name was like uh I already forget his name but he has like the he can smell everything he's one of those hound dogs I don't know but he was awesome he was the only part of the movie that I liked and then I'm a sucker for the spaghetti is how does how is that seen in terms of the visuals of two cgi dogs eating spaghetti it's it's kind of weird because you know like the lion king it's hard for cgi things to show emotion or like anything so it's like you you're seeing these two dogs like fall in love and it's just it's so awkward because it's like you know the music is playing and everything and it's like you want to feel the emotions from the original lady and the tramp but all you're seeing is well, yeah, know, because just... that's why I do not like this photorealistic animation that for things like The Lion King or Bambi is because you can have expressive faces if you're doing animation. But if you want to go realist, then you can't. But then I'm like, well, why the fuck do I care about this to- about this lion then? Yeah. That was kind of a disappointment. I was looking forward to Lion King for like a couple of years. And then I saw it and I'm like, it was good. But I mean, that's it. (laughs) But I don't know if you guys haven't seen it yet. It's on Disney Plus. Go see it. And if you want an interesting time, uh, watch Lady and the Tramp. And and, uh, it's always interesting seeing like what stuff they take out from the actual film. Like they took out the part when lady has that like face or that the muzzle the muzzle yeah there we go the muzzle and in the animated movie they take her to the zoo and in this one it's like it's like a sculpture of a beaver and he's like all right um the beaver's gonna help you take it off and it was just really weird and i don't know maybe because it's expensive to 
create a CGI zoo and everything, but yeah, I'm glad they put this on Disney Plus because I don't think it would have got enough attention in the movie theaters. Well, probably the only attention it would have got was negative attention, but everyone else in the movie was fine. Like Darling and Mr. Darling were good. That's it. Okay, yeah. I don't think I'll bother with that one. I mean, if you feel like watching a really bad movie, you should watch that. I still haven't watched Noel yet, though. I, I hear that one's really good. Uh, yeah. It's Noel, but I hear it's good. I watched half of it, and then I got bored. Is it musical-y? No, it's just sort of fine. Are you ever going to watch Encore? No. You should at least watch like the first episode because the first episode is like filmed like 20 minutes from like San Diego. And like I know everywhere there they're like, oh, I work here. And I'm like, I know okay. that place. I've driven past okay. there. But I don't know those places. I know, but you can watch it and think of me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and I don't like musicals. <laughs> You like some, don't I you? I like about five musicals. Yeah. I like Little Shop of Horrors, which they should not be remaking that movie. I'm very upset about it. Oh, they're remaking it? I'm oh, just God. I don't want them to remake it. And what's his name? Taron Edgerton might be playing Seymour. That was at least the rumor. But mm. that is dumb. Because he's too, like, good-looking Hollywood guy to be Seymour. Like, that's the whole, like, there's a reason that Rick Moranis is perfect for that role. It's because he's a slubby little dweeb. And he can't really sing. And it's awesome. <laughs> I don't think you're ever going to get anybody as good as Steve Martin to be the dentist. And it just, I don't know. I think it's because that movie still holds up, I'm resentful of them remaking it. They remake things that are bad. Don't remake things that are good. Remake things that were bad that had potential in the story, but either the acting was bad or the effects were bad or whatever reason the script didn't work. Remake those movies. They're remaking West Side Story, right? Steven Spielberg's in charge yeah. of that. Is that, is that still happening? Because I feel like that's been happening for like five years. Yeah, because what's his name? Ansel Eg Edgar or whatever his name is. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. The dude that was in the uh, whatever. He was singing on stage at the Golden Globes while presenting. So he was hinting that, hey, this movie is still going on and I'm singing. And that means that I'm in the movie. So there's hope. I mean, the last thing I see from it is an Entertainment Weekly story from last July. 
Steven's maybe busy. I mean, he's probably working on another big friendly giant or uh, oh, some dis- awesome. Uh, well, at least in July, the release date is December of this year. Okay, so yeah, they've been they've been making they've been okay. making the movie for a while. I mean, I don't like West Side Story yeah. anyway, so I don't care about that. But I've never seen it. I've never seen the it, what movie or, or what musical you were just talking. about. That was about like a lot of fun. Um. I, we're and I, I know I just said you shouldn't re- remake good movies, but I think you could remake Guys and Dolls, and I would still like it. Because I like that um, the um, the Guys and Dolls that we have, but I think you could do an updated. I mean, it's definitely dated. I mean, the whole musical is really, but I think you could remake Guys and Dolls today and have it be awesome but I mean you know that was Marlon Brando being handsome as all shit and <laughs> and Sinatra is great as Nathan Detroit but I, I I think I think that one's fun enough that you could get some really cool people to do it Yeah, it's always interesting what they decide to remake or how many remakes there are because there's probably like three or four Annies. Um, I'm trying to think what other musicals like they've done like so many times. There's like two hairsprays. They'll probably do another one, but it's a fine well, musical. Yeah. Well, it's like A Star is Born. There's like five different ones. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie? Any of them? No, I've seen pieces of some of them. It's just sort of not my thing. Hmm. Are you watching the Super Bowl today? No. I don't really care about football at all. I don't really either, but I like the commercials and I always get invested in the halftime performances because I'm unfortunately very critical. Who's performing this year? J-Lo and Shakira. Okay. And Demi Lovato is doing the national anthem. So it should be an interesting show. I mean, they always bring out extra people for the halftime show. Um, Like last year was like Maroon 5 and Travis Scott. And I think they brought out someone else, but I forget. But remember that one? It was just so weird. And the combination of both J-Lo and Shakira is very fascinating to me. So I hope they, I hope everything goes well. I hope they don't lip sync. I... I don't know. I'm excited to see who they might bring out. It Hopefully it's a good show. Hopefully the commercials are good. I like the commercials. I guess we're getting a sneak peek to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
That's what I've heard. Oh, okay. More Disney Plus material. I'm excited for the WandaVision. I'm excited for WandaVision. And Owen Wilson's going to be in Loki? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's going to be awesome. I never think Owen Wilson would be in any Marvel thing. I like Owen Wilson fine. Like he's just, I just can't, I I don't know. It's weird to picture him in a Marvel thing because he's always Owen Wilson. (laughs) He's one of those people that plays like the same person in every, like who he is in the movie, that's who he is. Now we get a Marvel Owen Wilson. How sick. And we're also, it's supposed to have Marvel's first trans character. Which that's awesome. If if that ends up happening, which I I don't know yet, because we've heard things like this before, and then nothing comes of it. But that would be really really cool. That would be it's. It would be awesome to see that representation or just. Come on, Marvel. Let's do it. Um, should we talk about Star Wars? I mean, I think this is the longest we've gone without talking about Star Wars, so we yeah, might as well. Yeah, uh, the Resistance finale. I liked it. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was a nice end to what this show is. Yeah. I I know that people like wanted it to connect more with the movies, but I'm kind of glad it didn't because I feel like it should just be its own show. And while it would have been nice if they could have brought Poe in somehow, you really can't without really fucking up your timeline. And the show has always been about Kaz and the Colossus. And, you know, that Star Destroyer has been chasing them for a long time now. And so for it to just come down to that I think it's fine. Not every show has to be about, so, or movie has to be, and then they saved the entire galaxy. I like that they saved the Colossus, and that Star Destroyer is gone. And then, you know, then that's fine. That That's how it ended. Yeah. I thought it was a fine ending. Like, I... I don't know... You know, because Kylo Ren was in it for like five seconds and that was almost too much for me. And I I feel like I almost wanted more. Like I understand like the significance of the Star Destroyer and finally being able to destroy it. But, you know, I question now, you know, what what are they going to do? Are they going to go find somewhere to live peacefully? Are they going to join the fight now that they destroyed the Star Destroyer? Like... I just feel like I have so many questions, but at the same time, I'm happy the way that it ended. And I'm, I don't know, I'm glad, 
I'm glad it's it's done. Like it ended on its own terms. It Yeah. I mean, it just had a nice sort of sweet, kind of cheesy ending. I really liked the reunion with Tam and Jaeger. I thought that was really cool. I liked those characters a lot. And Jaeger telling the story of when Tam like first came to the station and stuff was cool. I think it's interesting that they have Kylo in this because that means, and yeah, I realize it's not <clears throat> in terms of the actual timeline, but in terms of what we're seeing, that means that his last canon appearance is in full evil mode. Good. I think that's an, an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, I I think overall the only characters I really, you know, cared for was Tam and Yeager cuz their bond is something that I really love. Like kind of like the father and the daughter like a little bit. Like I I see that especially, you know, how he was afraid that she would leave in the beginning. And, you know, that's why, you know, he had her be an engineer, you know, just little things like that. Yeah. I mean, this is, a, this is a man who, who lost his own family under tragic circumstances. And then you have, uh, you know, this girl come on and, and, you know, he says he, she, she reminds him of his brother. Like it was a really sweet moment. And I liked that the communique that she sends is this code that she had with Niku. That's a really nice <laughs> moment. And I I liked everybody on the Colossus coming together. Uh, I I thought it was it was it was it was a well done turn there because obviously they have to resolve it quick. But having people be like. Nah, let's just go. But then when they actually see the communique from them, they realize that they can't do that. And your little shark dude was in there. He got some good screen time. Thank God I've missed him. And I thought the final fight was pretty cool. It was neat to see the little um, the little janitor guy use his, his cleaner to knock down some stormtroopers. I like seeing Aunt Z take out some guys. Yeah, it was it was touching. And it was the right amount of cheese. And, you know, everyone coming together. I really liked it. Yeah, I think for the show that this was, it was a good ending. Yeah. It feels like this show's been on for so long, even though it's only two seasons. Yeah. I feel like maybe just a lot has happened in those. Not in terms of the plot, but like in the real world. Like it's been a long time. Yeah. Like those memes about how like January 
is finally over and like what a year that was. <laughs> yeah. It really was. <laughs> uh well we have closed the book of Star Wars Resistance. We closed it together. It was an interesting book full of laughter and love and resistance. And I'm glad we went through this journey together. There we go. And now in a little bit, we have Clone Wars. What day does that start? I believe it's the 22nd. Okay. Let me check. Yes, we have a couple weeks till that. No, I think it's the 24th. No, the 21st. No, the 18th. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. It's sometime in February. <laughs> uh, well, I'm so excited for the Clone Wars. I'm, I'm excited. glad you're excited for it. I'm, I'm almost more excited to hear your reactions to it than actually watching it. <laughs> well, what a ringing endorsement of the show that is. I don't know. Like, I know that the prequels aren't your thing and, like, this wasn't really yours, but I don't know. I'm hopeful, especially with everything of the Siege of Mandalore. Like, I'm interested to see what Dave's going to do with that. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the way he tells stories, particularly. So, I'm not optimistic. I feel like Dave is good at ending things, though. I think he's really bad at letting things go. So I, I don't well, know. Well, I think he lets things go because he wants to continue them somewhere else. You know, like Ahsoka, you know, having her leave the Jedi Order and him being like, I'm going to put her in this, you know, or yeah, with the space whales. Uh, Yeah, I just, he doesn't want to let go, and he knows the potential of these characters, or he thinks of the potential of these characters. He's like, I'm going to put them in something else, which, I mean, it's fine, but it works, because, you know, Ahsoka let the Jedi Order, and I was like, oh, okay, then I saw her in Rebels, I'm like, oh, cool. I mean, I feel like having her in Rebels, like, made me not care about her more, but, you know, respect the character of Ahsoka Tano more, because of her journey, like, her journey is continuing. And maybe that's going to happen with Ezra, too. Is that, you know, Ezra is not one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. And maybe seeing his journey in this next animated show will have me have a little respect for him. Let me see somebody else's story. Let me yeah. see a story of somebody I actually give a shit about. I mean, if you're going to be too. doing a new animated show, do a new animated show. Don't do a sequel to your other animated show that it just ended a year ago. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, and I feel like that's one thing that I liked about Resistance is that, you know, yeah, we had Poe Dameron for like a couple episodes, but these were all new people. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I want Star Wars to do new things. 
I'm disappointed because I feel like animation especially is when you can really go hog wild and it, I don't know. It makes me sad that they've decided not to do that. Dave just plays it safe and he always will. And that's why I hope he doesn't really do anything with the Obi-Wan show because he's just going to make that really safe. I don't want safe. Like I would I would rather have a really swinging for the fences failure than a like safe mediocre product. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, that project should be announced not soon. Wasn't there like a rumor that something was supposed to be announced in January 2020? It wasn't a rumor. They originally told us they were going to tell us what Project Luminous was in January. (laughs) Fuck that. They're never going to tell us. Well, they have that date now for later this month. But at this point, I just I don't care. Like, even if I like if I like it, cool. But I I hate this like, ooh, pre-announcement to an announcement to an announcement. Oh, we're going to te- like the the amount of teasing that has gone in to Project Luminous. I just I find it insulting and irritating. Either tell me what the thing is or don't. Well, it's interesting because Star Wars has really shaped it up. Do you hear what happened to the Star Wars show? Uh, that they're, It's like going to once a month or something. It's going to once a month, and then like weekly, they're they're gonna have um, another woman do a um, the weekly news or something. Okay. It's interesting what Star Wars is doing. And I mean, I don't think that means anything. Like, I I still think that the Star Wars show, because everyone's like, oh, the Star Wars show isn't doing well because of that mug thing. And I'm like, the fuck? No. Like, honestly, like, it's probably better for them. And it's longer episodes, more material for them to do, more fun for them to have, you know, more opportunities for them. And I don't know. Like, I feel like Star Wars is going to go in a different place in 2020. And... I don't know, I agree that, you know, these announcements about an announcement, about a preview of an announcement is dumb and they know better. They should know better. And that's why I don't really care much about this Project Luminous thing is because just fucking announce it. Like, just don't give me a countdown of how many more days until we're going to announce it. Like, just fucking announce it. Like, it's awesome. You know, you're getting together all these writers writing about, I don't know, but. It just it makes me not excited, like, watching, okay, uh, they're supposed to be announcing something. Oh, wait, oh, they're holding it back. And then, like, what the fuck's going on with the uh, Rise of Skywalker novelization? Like, am I ever going to read that? I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Like, that's a yeah. strange thing. It is, and I hope it gets better. Try to be optimistic. Yeah, they make that difficult. They really do. But uh, we watched episode four of The Outsider, and that was really good. Yeah. So, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Episode four. The Grief Eater. What'd you think? 
I really liked it. Um, I really enjoyed Holly this episode. I can't get over um, her ridiculous state. And what did he say about like how his heart is fragile or something? Like, oh, it's. I thought that was the most. I have I have the strength of of ten because my heart is pure. It's from a it's from a Tennyson poem. He was quoting something there. It wasn't just off the like some. I mean, it's still fucking weird, but it wasn't just like something he made up. Thank God, because I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't know. I really, I really don't like him. Like, I get like why she's doing all this stuff, but the oh, well, you have we have to go on a date first, and she's like, what? Like, I don't know. He just, he rubs me the wrong way, but it's like, I love her. I really love Holly. I want more Holly. I want, give me a show with Holly. Um, I loved our soft dad Mendo. Him in the strip club was wonderful. Wonderfully awkward because he's such a dad. You know, pointing at the girl being like, oh, yeah, I've known her many years. I'm friends with her parents. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. The The story's getting really interesting. Like, they're finding more people who everyone thinks killed someone, but they didn't. And then it's just, it's interesting, like, um, how the grief is, like, expanding, like, to, like, the families. Like, how everyone from the families of, you know, the person killed the child that was killed or the person who quote killed the child, like their families like dying. That's interesting. And how I think it's like an object or something that feeds on grief. Yeah. And then you definitely are going to maybe worry about the Maitland. Because that hasn't happened to them, but maybe would have if they didn't have people who are totally in their corner. Like, they have the attorney who, who, like, absolutely believes that Terry is innocent. And now you even have um, Ralph, who's definitely questioning things and trying to find out the truth. And that is maybe to help keep them together even while you have, you know, bloggers posing as homeschool teachers to try to get a job with a family. That's yeah, that that's scene was up. awesome. When um when she is interviewing that woman and then just like the the calmness with which she's like Oh, so all these different states that you taught in, why are all the letters of recommendation postmarked from the same place? And oh, you taught math? Do this math problem for me right now. And it was just so <laughs> cold and so good. I really I I thought I really liked her in that scene. Yeah, that's so fucking sad that all that shit is happening that all these people are trying to homeschool their kids but like are actually like reporters or something are wanting to like gain information about this family like it's so fucked up yeah and the scene at the restaurant when the guy's like maybe somebody should hurt one of your kids is like to make it equal that was 
completely fucked and it was very nice to see uh to ralph like throw that dude out i love ralph he's so good but yeah holly was definitely the standout in this um Because she, you know, she wants to learn more about Heath, who is the orderly that connects with Terry's father. And so, you know, we find out, oh, the exact same circumstances, which is accused of killing the this kid, these kids, their DNA, saliva, everything on these bodies, eyewitnesses, but also eyewitnesses that he was in a completely different place. And she's at the she's at the bar kind of talking to herself, but then the bartender comes up to her and they, and this talk about m- murder being contagious. And the bartender says, "Well, the question then is who gave it to the first guy?" So that sends her looking for anything that would connect him with somebody who had been in a similar circumstance. And she finds a woman from a hotel he had been at who is currently like awaiting trial in Rikers and goes to interview her. And it's the same, it's the same circumstances but this woman knows something up that she's not willing to say because like even saying the words would would you know she could get locked up as mentally ill and then another woman who is meeting a prisoner drops a note to Holly and then we get this whole explanation from her about like boogeymen and and grief eaters and what I loved about this is like maybe one of my favorite scenes in the show so far, which is the scene between this woman and Holly. And she asks Holly if, if Holly believes in God. And Holly believes in God because God is the only explanation for all the unexplainable things that have happened to her. Like the reason she is what she is, the, re- the reason it has to be God because there is no other reason. Yeah, that's interesting. That stuck with me, too. It is interesting because I feel like a lot of the times with these characters like this, with the, you know, very smart, very focused on logic, you know, really like the absolute research and, and, and proof and for stuff for everything are, are I feel like almost always played as atheist. And so I think that's a really interesting way to take this character. Yeah, I think that's why I I found that interesting too, because I would think that a lot of people, you know, in this role or in these kind of, you know, series or something, like they would be atheist. So... I don't know. It always surprises me hearing religion, not in a positive way, but just hearing religion in shows like this. 
or just shows in general. Yeah, and you know, it's definitely like taken a is we we don't get into all like what God Holly believes in or anything like that. And when the the talk tends to the devil and devils, it's it's you know really honing on the fact that all all cultures have this, or many cultures have this sort of boogeyman figure, like the like the like Baba Yaga, um, El Coco is one we hear here, and that would that comes for for misbehaving children and <laughs> I mean it's it's kind of I mean it's a really creepy conversation because she's like you know it's it's something that that parents use to get their children to behave but we should really tell them is it doesn't matter what you do they might come for you anyway <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you know we get this if if the child is the meal and the suffering of the family is its dessert yeah, that's fucking deep. Yeah, and then you go back, you know, to to the first episodes when, you know, we saw the the mom have a heart attack and die, and then the son go after Terry and then get killed by Ralph, and then the dad trying to kill himself. And then that become you know, you realize now that it's very deliberate part of the pattern. And it's interesting because it's like you see that, you know, you see that different family and how the dad of the um, deceased child went and killed the father and the brother of the woman that killed the kid. That was that, right? Yeah, that's interesting. And one of the things I like that the show does is it'll take you into a scene like. So at the, at the beginning of the episode, we see Heath and a woman having dinner in a restaurant. And so that's cool because that, I mean, but that we know, OK, that's obviously in the past. But then you also have scenes like this, which is it's just we see two guys in a bar and they're, you know, they're flirting jokingly with the waitress. And we don't, we don't quite know where we are and it could, we don't know where this is going to connect. And then it's later in the episode that we learn that we're actually, you know, in the flashback. Yeah, it's interesting how they piece everything together and how out of order they do it like I just it's really interesting I'm really liking the production of the show the cinematography like everything it's so cool yeah and and we get we get some more pieces to go on here because Ralph is obsessively watching the security cam footage of Terry or Terry got doppelganger anyway and he hones in on the footage from when he went to the strip club and it looks like Terry scratches the hand of the bouncer from the strip club yeah 
Yeah, because that's how it is, is because the woman scratched, um, what's Heath. his name, that killed the two girl, yeah. Heath, when they were having sex. And that's how he got yeah, it. Yeah, because, yeah. Got this killing Because we bug. see, we see, you know, that, that restaurant scene with them. But then when it, when, when Holly goes into interview her, she, she's looking at the pictures and goes, Oh yeah, I told him I would meet him for breakfast and then I blew him off. So then you go, oh shit, that's the doppelganger that he's having breakfast with. Do you think it's both of the doppelgangers? What do you mean? Because is that actually was that actually him that actually had breakfast with her? Or? Yeah, like he yeah because it's like then they I I because they met for breakfast. So they meet for breakfast and then they had sex and he's and she scratched him. Oh, okay. Fuck this show is a lot. Yeah. And then you also have whatever the fucking hell is going on with Jack. That's creepy, man. And it's some weird shit. So, you know, last episode we ended with, you know, whatever, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And <laughs> here we get him killing a deer. And then in a hardware store buying a bunch of random shit, like some lamps and like a gas <laughs> can and some other stuff. And then it all along with the deer gets piled out in the woods. I hope he doesn't kill what's her face's kid, the the kid that she just had. Oh yeah, because when they're at the um, at the police station, he's sort of zoned out and all weird, and I can't remember her name. She's the one who got shot, and also had the baby. Tamika. Tamika. There we go. And she's, you know, she's making this big announcement about how, oh, they're, you know, the kids christening and blah, 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 the big party. And then comes up to him being like, are you mad at me about something? Because I've been talking about my kid in this party and you didn't even look at me. And she's like, if, if, if you don't, if you don't come to this party, I'm going to be super fucking pissed. <laughs> And his neck is even nastier than before. It's all still all red and like covered in boils or whatever. Ugh, he's just nasty. I don't like him. But I hope he doesn't do anything bad. Hope he, ugh. Oh, and the other big thing is the kid with the stolen van had said originally that he didn't see the figure that took the van from him and then he comes he comes to talk to Ralph and says that he actually did see the figure they see the guy but he was too scared and so Ralph has him draw it and he draws the defigured face guy hmm I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to happen next. I hope Ralph's going to be okay. 
I don't know. Like, that's the thing is that, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't even have any, like, theories onto, like, who this masked figure is and why he's causing mayhem to all these fucking people. You know? Yeah, it's this is an interesting one for me to watch right now because I remember, I remember how it ends. Like, I remember the last, like, climactic scenes. I don't remember quite how we get there. I wonder if there's more people who have been affected by this, like, killing bug. There has to be more. Well, yeah, because, I mean, Holly finds... You know, this woman, but where did she, you know, get it from? Like, who, you know, who scratched her? Yeah, we have to also keep close attention to Terry Maitland's wife and uh, her two kids. Because, you know, something could happen to them. Yeah. Which I hope not, because that'd be fucking sad. Yeah, and now we have the... um. The bouncer at the strip club whose name I do not remember. I just know he's played by Patty Constantine and I like him. But he could be the next target in terms of taking the blame for something. Yeah. Shit. I don't know. I really like this show. Like, you know, sometimes in in series, like, there's always, like, you know, it's going on a roll of good episodes, and then, like, one comes by, and you're like, oh, that wasn't as good. But I, I feel like every episode, like, you're finding, like, so much information that, like, every episode on its own is good. It's Yeah, and the cast is really solid. The filmmaking is just really good. There's always, like, something interesting going on. Even... Even just her Holly Googling shit is interesting because the actress is great. Yeah, I really, I really like her. Yeah, she's, she's super good and a really, really cool character. I just, I really love her. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to see what other things she does in this episode. And Mendo, too. I feel like it was... Mendo didn't do as much this episode, but... Yes, definitely more of a Holly episode. Which is good. I think, other than Mendo, she is probably my favorite character. Probably? Yeah. Yeah. She's great. And I, it, we do we do have several phone conversations between the two of them. Yeah. But I want them to be in actual scenes together. Me too. Me too. And they have this like bond. I don't know. Well, because he's soft dad, Mendo. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, soft dad, Mendo. I want to believe it. I want to sit here and tell you that I confidently believe that this is good boy, Mendo. Like, I don't think that exists. I want it to exist, but I don't know. Okay. For now? <laughs> well, for anyway, just for now, enjoy Soft Dead Mendo. I gotta his, soak it in. And his lovely flannel shirts. I hope this isn't like a, 
like the shining or, or no like the sixth sense or something and he's actually dead the whole time or you know <laughs> he's he, been dead the whole time he interacts with everybody in the show they're all dead too everyone's dead <laughs> i don't know Man, I can't believe I didn't know that watching The Sixth Sense. Like, I was just wondering, like, why is he getting stood up? Oh, because he's getting stood up because he's dead. I like, c- I can't believe that you didn't get spoiled for that. I mean, okay, I, I, because I heard like, oh, because I've I've heard people say like, oh, they were dead the whole time or something. I thought the kid was dead. I thought that he was just talking to a ghost. But then the kid was like, I see dead people. And then him realizing, oh, fuck, I'm dead. <laughs> I don't know. Still, I really like that movie. But yeah, I, I can't believe I didn't get spoiled either. But who knows? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like That twist like totally got me the first time. But I saw it in theaters. It got everybody the first time. Mm-hmm. But it's also just become a meme. Like, it is the, like, it's that and who is Kaiser Sose. Like, those are the two big twists that everybody knows. Well, Emily, I'm not everyone. <laughs> I'm different. <laughs> uh, I need to watch, like, some more, like, big movies with, like, big plot twists that, like, everyone knows. Like, isn't there, like, a plot twist in, like, uh, Fight Club? Yes. Do you not know the twist in Fight Club? No, I don't. That's why I was asking. Because I know there's a twist. I I think it's that someone's dead or something. It's always that someone's dead or something or someone's a zombie. So a like zombie. maybe like Brad Pitt nobody, is a zombie. Nobody in, nobody in Fight Club is a zombie. I will tell you that much. I don't know, though. I mean, Brad Pitt, he's ridiculously good looking, but maybe it's because he's a zombie. Oh, yeah. But zombies know. known for being ridiculously good looking. Yeah, I don't know, but I know there's a plot twist in that. Yeah, there is. I I like Fight Club. I don't have the sort of diehard love for that that some people do. But it's a decent movie. I mean, I haven't seen it in like 15 years, so I don't know if it holds up. But I'll let you know. I'll try to watch it. Yeah, I don't know. Like... I feel like a lot of movies I haven't been spoiled, like, with the twist. I mean, like, I know what happens in Titanic. That's not a twist. I know what happens. What's the twist? I wouldn't call that a twist. I know, but I'm just thinking of, like, big, big movies. I don't know. I'll get to them. Do Do you know the twist in Psycho? I'm, no, I don't even know what kind of movie that is. Is that like a horror movie? Is that the one where they're someone's wearing a mask? He's wearing a mask in Psycho. Psycho, Psycho is, is the Albert Hitchcock. Uh, like the Albert Hitchcock movie. Uh, 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 um, Norman Bates. Um, yeah. Oh. Anthony Perkins is terrified in that movie. But, um, hmm. that's a weird one to not know. I mean, Psycho is brilliant. 
Hitchcock made, I mean, I love pretty much all of Hitchcock. He was a monster, but he was a really good filmmaker. That's okay, because my friend Steve and I have a theory, which is that it's okay to in, enjoy like Hitchcock's movies and Kubrick's movies, because even though they were terrible, terrible people, they are now burning in hell. So that it's okay to watch their movies now. Yeah, that works. I was about to say the same about Kevin Spacey, but I forgot that he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once Kevin, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe once Kevin Spacey dies, you can watch Kevin Spacey movies. I don't know, but I sort of feel like, like Hitchcock died before my lifetime, so that's okay to watch. And Kubrick died in early 90s, so before I was watching Kubrick movies. So as long as I've been watching Kubrick movies, Kubrick has been dead. Spacey, I don't know, because Spacey happened while I was alive and watching Kevin Spacey movies. And, oh, it turns out he's an awful, awful person. I feel like every Christmas he keeps doing those House of Cards things. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's, he's, yeah, he might genuinely not be okay. Yeah. It's so creepy. I don't like it. No, no, <laughs> it's, it's not good. I mean, wouldn't someone like tell him to stop? Because even like, I don't think there's like one person out there that's like, oh my God, I totally miss you, Kevin Spacey. Like, where have you been? Like, no one gives a fuck about Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I, I, I feel like he is beyond being told not to do things. Fucker. Yeah, so that's not why I'm like when I'm thinking about twist endings, I'm not gonna be like, oh, you should watch the usual suspects. Because I mean that's Kevin Spacey and Brian Singer. So that's a double whammy right there. Brian Singer. Yeah. The director. Oh. I was confused with another actor, the one in Bad uh Breaking Bad. Oh, Brian Cranston? No, Brian Cranston's not a creep. Okay, At least good. not that we know of. Good, because I like him. He's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be very disappointing. I'm I hate getting disappointed in actors or actresses for like doing really shitty things. And I'm tired of seeing some of them on late shows or on TV shows or Disney Plus series when I know and everyone knows that they are garbage yeah like if look my my thing is if people are doing terrible things then i want to know that they're terrible so that we can stop supporting them but it's still it is still really disappointing when it's somebody you really liked yeah huh um let's see oh shit I sorry no go ahead. No, I was gonna say I, I was gonna say what you were about to say about our voicemail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We almost forgot this, and then Steele would be really disappointed in me. So Steele sent this to me last week. He sent it to me at like six thirty or something last week. Like, use this on the show today, and I'm like, I can't do that, but <laughs> <laughs> I can use it on the show now. 
He said to play it during the fuck, Mary kill section. I have no idea what this is. He told me that I couldn't listen to it beforehand. That makes it even better. <laughs> Hello, Lindo and Brownie. It's everybody. <laughs> now, I, I don't have a um, an FMK for you this week um, because I've got to think one up and then I'll have to mention that I have one to... <laughs> have a new nickname so pure brownie how do you feel about brownie it reminds me of when i was in the girl scouts and i was a brownie so nostalgia but in a good way oh you were a brownie yeah i was a girl scout i was a brownie i sold cookies i sold nuts i did all of that stuff i went to parades I went to uh, charities and helped out. I did a lot of uh, relays for uh, cancer walks. I did it all. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm a brownie again. Thanks, Steel. Just the thought of somebody trying to, I mean, trying to play any game with Harrison Ford, I kind of feel like he doesn't care for games. Yeah, I don't. I always feel bad for the people having to interview Harrison Ford because it must be like so nerve wracking because he seems like he's a wonderful person, but very intimidating. He is. I mean, he's a bit of a grump. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I like him. He reminds me of my dad. So I'm always soft when I think about Harrison Ford or see Harrison Ford. I'm like, I love him. Like, he reminds me of my dad. Just. Quiet, humble, maybe grumpy sometimes, but in a good way. I like it, but I don't know. What kind of games do you think he would like? I think he'd be a good Scrabble guy. Yeah, maybe Scrabble. Probably not Fuck, Mary Kill. I mean, I don't know. That's not much of a game, but. Yeah. Now I really want to play Fuck, Mary Kill with Harrison Ford. <laughs> I don't know what I would ask him, but I yeah, I don't know what I don't know what Fuck, Mary Kill I would give to Harrison Ford. Maybe in people that he hasn't worked with. Yeah. 
you'd have to like sit down and be like, what are, what are appropriate fuck Mary kills for Harrison Ford? I don't know. Because I feel like it'd have to be real people because I don't think Harrison Ford would truck with characters. Like, I don't even think he would answer you. I don't even think he watches movies. I don't know what. What do you think Harrison Ford does in his free time besides crash airplanes? Read the newspaper. <laughs> I think he sits outside, reads the newspaper, has like a cup of tea or something. Um, I see a lot of fishing. I think he's probably like a fisher. Like goes to the lake, catches a couple of fish with his son. It's crazy to me that he and Calista Flockhart are still together. I know. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's great. Like, good on them. But I remember when they first got together, and I'm like, okay, they're going to break up in like two months because it's weird. Maybe they just get each other. I know, but that just seems so strange to me. Yeah. I mean, mean, that's always what I thought about Brad and Angelina, too. Like, I didn't think they'd be together forever. Yeah, then they weren't. Yeah, now I feel bad about Brad because, like, you never see him with his kids anymore, and it's, like, depressing. And then, but with Harrison, it's different because it's, like, it's happy. Like, Harrison has his little happy ending, you know? He has his little family. He's in that precious movie about the dog, the CGI dog. Call the Wild, it's going to be shit. Yeah, I mean, there is a 20-year age difference between them. That's nuts. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. I don't even know if I would want to be with someone 20 years older or younger than me. Well, 20 years years younger than you would be pretty frightening. (laughs) Well, you know what I mean, like at that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a significant difference. A lot of wisdom. And that's a difference where you don't have any of the same cultural touchstones I don't know like do you believe when people say like oh like you're an old soul or this or that you know no I don't think that's a thing maybe it's a thing for them I know I think it's great like obviously obviously it does work sometimes I just I I think because I remember like when that one first happened being like wait Who's dating who now? That that one has always seemed weird to me. And 20, 20 years is a lot. It is. And then they've been together for a long time, too. But I don't know. It, it's Hollywood. You never know. Like, sometimes, like, people are together because of, like, contracts. Like, I have this, like, like crazy theory that, like, Calvin Harris and Taylor Swift weren't actually together. Because she says something in her documentary that, you know, she won the Grammy for, like, Best Artist for 1989. Or, no, like, Best Album for 1989. She didn't have anyone to share it with. And I'm like, wait a second. She was with Calvin at that time. She couldn't share it with him. But then I'm like, oh, they might be not even together. It might just be, like, a contract. Like, here, um, act like you're together, this or that. But I don't know. It's Hollywood. We don't know anything about Hollywood. But I don't I know. I like that you're over this there seems legit. writing Taylor Swift fan fiction. I don't know. It, it's just, it's very interesting. It's it's interesting Hollywood relationships. 
I don't know, I'm really into like celebrity gossip and everything. Like I always have been. So it just, it's very interesting to me. It's a terrible investment (laughs) in time and effort and reading material. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but oh well. Well, thank you, Steel Saunders, friend and family, for sending us this voicemail and for thinking of us. Yeah, and if you would like to send us voicemail or email or actually send us fuck, marry, kill suggestions and not just talk about it for months, uh, you can do that at pod at gmail.com. Yeah. We need some. Yeah, because we're not going to have Star Wars to talk about for a while. Probably. Hopefully. We'll just sit here and talk about musicals and movie plot twists. I can't think of words. That's okay. No, I mean, we have The Outsider for a couple more weeks. But, um, yeah, so if there's Star Wars stuff we should be talking about, let us know. But I don't think there is. No. Anyway, Brittany, anything else to say today? No. I'm very interested that this episode was kind of like the last episode of the Geek Dudes because usually the Geek Dudes talk about like dirty things, but like they all they talked about this week was like He-Man. So, yeah, it's interesting how two podcasts could be like similar in a way, similar but different. I mean, do you want to talk about He-Man? We could talk about He-Man, but I don't know anything about He-Man. I don't know anything about He-Man too. All I know is that there's this like skeleton guy. And then there's this like blonde guy with like kind of like a bowl cut hair. Then he's like really muscular. And then there's like a song maybe. Like that's it. That's all I know. Okay. I know a little bit more than that. But I don't know anything about He-Man or the Masters of the Universe. Uh, so Brittany, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. What about you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind and the show Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. Again, email us CantoBitePod at gmail.com. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. But until then, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Kanto bitch number one doing it fulcrum style. Uh, check it out. Listen up, y'all, cause this is it. Fuck all the rest, be a Kanto bitch. Brittany the Jinch and Emily Lynn. Bet on these two to show place and win. These are the girls you've been looking for. Unique takes on Star Wars and more. Listen every week for laughs and fun. Take it from me, Kanto bitch number one. Canto Brick, they got the goods.
and I just can't quit. How do you become a bitch like me? Podcast gotta download CBD. Send emails, just listen and chill. Give them some names to fuck, Mary kill. Ask them a question or send a top three. Mine is Lindo, Brittany, and me. They want a bang and a refresher. Asajj, Ventress, and Kylo Ren, yo. We'll have Tarkin and, of course, Mendo. Send a shout to the Porgs and a Rustin Brown. And Emily's dad straight putting it down. Every week, my girls be getting it done. I should know I've been down since day one.